0: Podcast for giftware and specialty food artisans who want to work smarter, earn more, and live better. Hosted by Stefa Normantis. Hi, this is Stefa. Thank you for listening to Artisans Who Wholesale. There are a few things that make me swoon, things like anything linen, gardening, letterpress, or handmade textiles. Today's guest has an amazing line that combines some of my very favorite things. It's like Christmas to see what new designs she's come up with in her gorgeous gardening textiles, whether it's a beautiful hand-printed black-eyed Susan or a morning glory, and she's always lovely to talk to. So today we have Molly Thompson. She's an artist with a studio in Portland where she creates textiles and stationary goods using her own hand-carved blocks to print on fabric and paper. Known as Pretty Flowers, spelled F-L-O-U-R-S, because many of her products are printed on flower sack cotton, Molly began wholesaling in 2014. Prior to starting Pretty Flowers, Molly had a 30-year career in early childhood education, both as a teacher and a program director. She's edited and published parenting publications, and has also worked as a graphic artist and a marketing manager. Molly is married to an entrepreneur in the local food world, and together they've raised three children. So welcome,
1: Molly. Thank you. What a great introduction. <laughs> oh,
0: thank you. Well, it's all you. So uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself and your business.
1: Well, that was pretty comprehensive, but um, yes, the truth is that this is sort of, I call it my retirement career. Um, I began, I've always made things. I've made things since I was a very little girl. And, um, I, as you described, had a very long career in the field of early childhood education where a, there was a large emphasis in my teaching, um, uh, on teaching children through the use of materials, exploring materials. And I began exploring some printing materials myself while I was still teaching and uh, making some hand-printed items just to give to friends and um, and family around the holidays. And one day my husband said to me, um, Why don't you give me a few of those and I'll try selling them at my store. And I gave him six and he came home. I gave him six flower sack dish towels Mm -hmm. and he came home that evening and said, give me some more. (laughs) (laughs) They're gone. (laughs) So that's how pretty flowers began. And, uh, that was about eight years ago. I, um, at that point, had moved on from early childhood and was working in graphic design and marketing. And um, a few years into selling my textiles as a sideline, I was able to quit my day job, and I have been doing this full-time and making money at it now for about uh, six years, I think.
0: That's fantastic, Molly. It's beautiful. Your work is beautiful. I love, well, love seeing it. thank you. Do you remember what the first thing is? You mentioned that you had started uh, making things or uh, as a child. Do you remember the first thing you made or the first thing you made and
1: sold? Or? Oh, goodness. You mean as a child? Um, oh, yeah. Oh, you know, dollhouse furniture and Barbie <laughs> doll clothes. and um, uh-huh. But I also used to spend hours looking at architectural digests and typography Mm. books, both of which my father Mm. had in the house. And I would design my own houses, and I would draw my own typefaces, and you know, yeah. things like that.
0: Yeah. It's funny where those threads start, you can sometimes mm-hmm. really look back and they're really early, you know, early indicators. So so how did you uh, choose your business name and what products are you selling these days? So
1: in the beginning, I was um, making my own uh, dish towels to print on, but I'm really not a seamstress. So that was not really a very good idea. Um, and so I began um, purchasing the flower sack towels uh, through a company in the Midwest um, and uh, printing just on these flower sack towels, which is why I decided to name the company Pretty Flowers, spelled F-L-O-U-R-S. I guess I began wholesaling those first and then added napkins and table runners, mostly because I was getting requests from some of my retailers to expand my line. And I've now come to realize that it's really important to expand your line and diversify what you do. And so I, almost every year or every other year, I have introduced at least one or two new products. So Mm -hmm. i now, in addition to the flower sack towels, table runners, and napkins. I also uh, wholesale hand-printed aprons, uh, pillows, Mm -hmm. um, and a small line of stationary products, uh, note cards, and wrapping paper, and uh, another product that I am working on right now that I'm hoping to roll out in March at the New England Made show. Exciting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And do you do both wholesale and retail, Molly? I do. Um, Mostly I do wholesale. Um, I began doing craft fairs and exclusively craft fairs at the beginning, mostly around the holidays, um, and just found that I don't really love putting myself out there and Mm -hmm. selling. I would rather spend my time in my studio making things, printing. Mm -hmm. And um, so I still do a couple of craft fairs at the holidays, mostly now as a means of promoting my retail locations. So in Mm -hmm. other words, someone comes in and purchases something and I say, I'm available all the time at these stores. So Mm -hmm. yes, so I do both.
0: That's great. What are you most proud of in the business, Molly?
1: Um, I think what I'm most proud of is the, the fact that I have been able to grow my passion, you know, a passion for something I really love to do into a, into a business, that I developed a product that is both pleasing to me to produce functional to the consumer and decorative. And that I have been, been able to, even though I am, I, am, I am in production mode all the time, <laughs> um, I've, I've found a way to produce something in large quantities that I still produce one at a time. Every single thing I make is made individually.
0: Wow. That's beautiful for the person receiving it, I think, at the end, you know, knowing somebody, you know, somebody's hands made this. So,
1: that's that's something else. Well, I think there's a real appreciation for that mm-hmm. now in a way that there may not have been 25 or 30 years ago. I think people love getting handmade mm-hmm. products. I agree. I agree. Um
0: Down for your challenges. Tell me the hardest part of the business. You mentioned everything is done by hand, (laughs) so uh,
1: Mm -hmm. that
0: uh, keeping up with production, I'm sure, is a challenge. But what's a current challenge you're having, and what's what's the most difficult for you?
1: So this is so easy to answer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, certainly, my products being made one at one at a time, it's a very labor-intensive process, and and that so the time. The time involved can be a challenge, but but hands down, my greatest challenge is the bookkeeping and the financial structure behind the business. Mm-hmm. I just do not, never have, don't think I ever will. <laughs> I don't really have the uh, the mind for the whole financial mathematical piece, mm-hmm. so that becomes very labor intensive mm-hmm. to me. And and even though I have tools really good tools at my at hand for that. I use um, QuickBooks online to create all my invoicing and record all my payments and that kind of thing. I use a payroll company to pay my part-time, I have a couple of part-time studio assistants. And, uh, you know, a lot of those things cost me money to use, but it is so worth it to me to have kind of a partner mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> to do that work. Forming. That's the biggest challenge. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Those two often don't come together as far as being somebody who has that creative side and then has that sort of, you know, take a look at the books and enjoy digging into the numbers and kind of processing that they're they're uh, they're pretty different uh core skills.
1: Yeah, I think that's true. <laughs> as
0: far as that goes. Right, tell me about a failure moment and something you learned from it.
1: Oh, goodness. Lots of those. Mm -hmm. Um, well, you know, I, I, my attitude toward failure moments, um, are that really, and this is true. You can ask my kids, my, I tell my children this all the time, you know, failure moments really are learning Mm -hmm. moments. Um, they're, they're what we in the teaching field used to call happy accidents. (laughs) And so anything that I have experienced a failure with, and there have been many things, um, in the short term can be can be difficult, but in the long term really turns out to be a learning moment. And I, I guess I would say that um, one of them, well, I'm experiencing one right now, actually, but um, in that I, I, I rolled out a new product last year that That I'm trying, you know, I'm on the fence about. I'm not sure. I haven't gotten a lot of orders for it. It's very labor intensive. I'm not making a lot of profit on it, and I'm wondering whether I'm going to continue it. Mm -hmm. But that happened to me also a few years ago when I first got into printing stationery. I um, I made hand printed cards individually. Began, Mm -hmm. you know, I bought the paper product and the envelopes, and I printed each card individually. And while that was really fun for me, it was certainly not cost effective. And so now I was able to find a way to create an original and then have those mass produced by a printer here in Maine. So it was a failure moment, but I certainly learned something from it and didn't have to give up doing it. mm
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. It's that ability to pivot. It's like, all right, how do we need yes. to adjust?
1: And um, yeah.
0: and and sometimes is it that aspect of, all right, does it need a little more time to get traction? Or is it something that just needs to be pruned and, and moved on? Yeah. So what do you wish somebody had told you before you started?
1: I wish that I had known a little bit more about pricing structure. When I, you know, when I first set my prices for products, I wasn't wholesaling, I was retailing, selling direct to consumers at craft fairs. And so I based my pricing on uh, on what I needed to make to make it, to pay for my materials and have it be profitable. And then when I went into wholesaling, I had to step back from that because you don't get as much money per piece when you're wholesaling a product as when you sell it per piece to a consumer. And so I guess I, I wish that somebody had said, even though you think you're only ever going to be selling these (laughs) for fun at craft fairs, you might want to turn this into a business someday and wholesale it and really think about your pricing from Mm -hmm. that, from that standpoint. And then I guess the other thing would be um, would be a piece of advice that, that I wish somebody had given me or that I would give to a new wholesaler at this point would be, don't be so quick to compromise your standards. Don't be so quick to, pr- don't price something in such a way that, because sh- that, that you're worried that that's all somebody will ever be willing to pay for it. Really know your worth Mm -hmm. and believe in yourself and believe in the worth of your product. It's a handmade product. And don't compromise Mm -hmm. on what you feel you deserve.
0: That is so good, Molly. That is the (laughs) mic drop. (laughs) That is such a great foundation for somebody to really anchor themselves. That's, um, That's so well said. What else has your business taught you?
1: Well, I guess my business has taught me um, the same thing that my life has taught me. Um, now that I'm in my, I don't know what years, my silver years, my golden years, I'm, I'm 62, whatever those years are, I guess I'm able to look at, at life with a little more wisdom. And I think what, what my business has taught me is life is short do what you love, mm-hmm. take risks, risks can pay off. You know, I really jumped into this whole hog and I'm so glad I did, but it was a risk and it, and I had a backup plan. I wasn't silly, you know, but it, but life is short. We should all be doing what we really love to do. What really makes us happy. And I have the good fortune of really living that right now
0: and I think you know what you you know by doing that you know what you bring to everybody I think in the giftware industry or whatever where that ultimately ends you know the the joy that that brings to somebody that receives it or whatever and is loving that table runner and that sort of thing so it's like you know if you don't put that out there then you know those uh that doesn't happen so uh, yeah, it's that's a, a lovely way to look at it. Yeah, yeah, it's a loss for everybody. So you mentioned earlier that your um, uh, your goal of trying to introduce new products. Um, how often are you uh, shooting for that?
1: So I'm I'm doing that annually. I actually usually use the New England Made Show as my um, my testing ground, my, well, actually, I've, I've sort of tested it out before the show, but that's when I, that's the official date that I roll out a new product. For example, last year, I rolled out pillows as a new product at the March show, in the March New England Made show. The year before that, it was aprons. And so about once a year, but before I actually roll it out, I do a lot of test marketing. Some things work and some things don't. And I'm finding that while my retailers really want my repertoire to to grow, you know, they come into my booth or they contact me and they say, what's new? Do you have any new designs? Do you have any new products? Um, I print about 30 different designs on about 10 products. And I'm in the testing stage right now for a new stationary product i'm going to do um some sort of a calendar for the 2021 calendar year and Ooh. so right now i'm um, testing with some of my retailers um a lunar calendar a, a perpetual calendar Ooh. a calendar that you know you does it pertain Mm -hmm. to a specific year, as well as uh, a dated calendar for 2021. And I'm playing around with ways to uh, have some of the pages printed by uh, Franklin Press, which is the printer up in Auburn that I use because they have a real uh, eye toward, um, toward the environment. They're They're very conscientious. Mm -hmm. So I'm testing out um, some things where they would print part of the page and then I would go back in and block print on another part of each individual page. Again, I I may decide that this process is way too labor intensive Mm. and I can't make enough money doing it. But but there's only one way to find out. And that's to really um, test it out. So my plan is before mm-hmm. I actually introduce that product to the market to, uh, to do some testing to send some of them to my retailers, my existing retailers and say, Hey, what do you think? Do you like this? Would you mm-hmm. sell it? How much do you think you could get for it? You know, what would the market bear? That mm-hmm. kind of thing. I really use my retail accounts as kind of my partners in the business when it comes to testing new products.
0: That's fantastic. I would love to hear a little bit more, Molly, about you mentioned how you test products. And I think that just as, you know, as far as setting you up for success, you know, instead of just sort of throwing it out there, can you go into a little more detail about what your typical process is for testing a product? Like where do you, where do you put it out and how many and and what does that look like?
1: Um, Well, I think the first step is that I, I spend a lot of time in my studio just playing with ideas and, and trying to get them to a, a stage where I still may have some questions about which way to go with it. And then I have, um, I feel very fortunate that about five years ago, I connected with uh, four other artists who uh, meet with me once a month and we are kind of each other's advisory group. Um, we meet once a month for about three hours and we go around in a circle and we talk about what we're working on, what questions we have, what feedback we'd like from each other. We critique each other's work. And then before we leave this monthly meeting, we all set goals for ourselves and we talk about those goals outside uh, out loud so that they're they become intentions. And so that's my first step, is I roll out a new product with, with my mm-hmm. um, colleagues in this group. And then I will produce a few of them and either show them to some of my retailers, or I may, I have two or three accounts that are consignment accounts, and I I might ship some of my consign consigners mm-hmm. these products and see how they sell. Just get feedback about how they sell. That's great.
0: I love the idea of your group of four as a little advisory group or a little
1: mastermind. It's great. It's really been uh it's really been, it's guided my business, this little group in in many, many ways. And we've become really good friends, which is really nice too.
0: What is your best tip for finding new buyers or what's your best promotion or marketing? How do you, you mentioned that your favorite sweet spot is to be in the studio, but um, how do you get your buyers?
1: Well, um, hands down, my my best source for new buyers is the New England Made Show. It's the only wholesale show I do. I do it uh, some years, just once a year. I've done it twice a year. I've done the fall and spring show a couple of times, but I think this one that's coming up will be my sixth or seventh wholesale show. And I, it just works for me. Uh, uh, it just does. <laughs> um, cold, Yeah, cold calling is, um is hard for me. You know, I know that it works well for some people, but it's, uh, I have certainly, and I've certainly used the, um, and if people don't know about this, they should, the database at my local public library. There are these, if you go to your resource library and at the public library, they will hook you up with on their computers with databases of potential buyers you can filter these databases uh and i'm uh, as i talk here you're going to see how <laughs> technologically challenged i am, even just in talking about it but there are these things these databases and you go in and you type in uh gift shops in the state of vermont and boom! Up comes this amazing list of every potential gift shop in the state of Vermont, who the buyers, the buyer's name, the phone number, the email address, et cetera, et cetera. And I have spent time on those databases, and I, um, I have uh, then followed up either with uh, emails, either a Mailchimp or a personal email, or literally picking up the phone and cold calling and. I Um, just don't, you know, I get put off by most, by most people. I also have gone literally gotten in the car and gone on little uh, tours of certain parts of certain states and with my little (laughs) bag of products and walked in and said, do you sell, do you like to sell uh, locally made items? If so, I'd love to show Mm -hmm. you what I make. And some people are very, very receptive. Others give you a look <laughs> that, um, that tells you right away, oops, I came at a really bad time. And so really my, I think my best tip, if anybody asks me, how do I get into wholesale? I'd say find a wholesale show that, and start small, start with one that you can afford, start small. and. Um, And then follow up, follow up, follow up, follow up. So when I'm at a wholesale show or a craft show for that matter, and someone says they might be interested in selling my product, but they're not ready to place an order, I make sure I get their business card, their name. And uh, I generally have an email Mm -hmm. all ready to go at any given time in any season on my uh, computer Mm -hmm. so that I can send a follow up email right away. Um, I met you a couple of days ago. Thanks for your interest in my products. I don't have another account Mm -hmm. in your area and I would love to add you uh, as a retailer. What can we do to make this happen or call me anytime with questions or something like that. That's
0: great. Um, those are all great, all, all great tips, Molly. And it's you just have to find the one that works for you. You know that uh, that's comfortable for you, and you find out the ones that just don't. You know, either it's too tough. You know to just sort of keep driving around in the car or, uh, you know, sort of uh, just uh, yeah. what does uh, what does work. One thing that I have admired about, you know, watching your business evolve is I think you've been a really great um, example of smart growth, you know, as far as, you know, starting with one or two things and really building a knot, sort of blowing up or whatever. It's always seemed like, all right, you know, that growth is is at a pace that's manageable and smart. So I've always um, admired your progression in like, all right, you know what, this worked. So uh, it's been really nice to see. Uh, what is a healthy habit that's important for you? How do you recharge and kind of along with being in the studio all the time, how do you stay healthy?
1: Well, <laughs> uh, for one thing, I'm married to somebody in the food industry who insists that I Eat well, so mm-hmm. um, so I eat very well. I eat whole foods and um, and not a lot of processed stuff. And mm-hmm. um, I sneak mm-hmm. a, a chocolate chip cookie in there once in a while, but um, I eat well. I also um, I walk mm-hmm. almost every morning before I come up to my studio. Um, having said that, I did not walk this morning. It was four degrees, and uh, I opted to come up here in my pajamas for a couple of hours and work instead of going out for a walk. But I have a, I have a neighbor who I have walked or biked with almost every day of our lives for the last, I don't know, 17 years or something. So just clears my head, gets fresh air in my system and, um, and gets me out in nature. And what I, what I draw and what I print is, uh, is nature, you know, flowers blooming, and and so taking that walk is really, really an important part of my practice. Another really important part of my practice that is also a healthy habit for me is that I have kind of a uh, what I call my personal drawing practice. Mm-hmm. I, I keep multiple sketchbooks and I sketch and I paint and. Um, I do a lot of that before I ever start carving and printing. And that kind of keeps my head out of the computer and helps me solidify my ideas. But I think it's also very healthy, you know, healthy for my state of mind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's wonderful.
0: What is the biggest lesson you've learned in running the business?
1: Well, I think... I think uh, what I sort of alluded to earlier in that uh, the the concept that you really need to diversify um, that you need uh, I believe that that what's really been important to the the success of my business is having more than one product because there are times I mean my my flower sack towels are hands down my best selling product but I. I have added these other products in because there are times when you when some things sell better than others. You know, there are years when I feel like, wow, I have printed so many table runners I can't even count, and then the next and then the next year I think, <laughs> wait a minute, what happened to table runners? <laughs> Napkins seem to be outselling the table runners, so it's been it, yeah, so diversifying, having more than one thing. If you make, if you make cookies, make sure you make different kinds of cookies, even though your chocolate chip is the best cookie you make. Um, uh, I think that that has really been helpful to to me.
0: Molly, what uh, tips or resources do you have as far as apps or books or online um, that you think might be great for other makers Um,
1: well a book that was very very helpful to me in the beginning and that i look back to from time to time is a book uh, written by carrie chapin k-a-r-i-c-h-a-p-i-n called handmade marketplace and carrie has sort of a step-by-step guide for anybody who wants to either start selling things that they've made on the craft fair circuit or in whole, in the wholesale market. Um, And she really walks you through all the little things that you should think about um, before you begin. And that was, you know, how to, how to set yourself up with a tax ID and all all those, all those things um, are in that book. So that was very, very helpful Mm -hmm. to me in terms of other resources that have been helpful to me. I I am a, well, I'm a graphic designer on some level. And so, I subscribe to the Adobe suite. And so, I have, a, I have a basic knowledge of how to create a flyer. And I would say that if you don't know how to do that, you know, if you don't know how to create your own line sheet or uh, your own sales materials, find somebody who can help you um, do that. That's worth paying for or worth bartering for with a friend or whatever. Again, for an accounting resource, I use QuickBooks online and that helps me with invoicing and reordering. I can go back in and see what a retailer has ordered over the past year so that when they call me and say, what was that red thing that sold really well? <laughs> I have a way of looking that up for them. And then the other thing that has been hugely helpful to me um, has been that I got myself pretty early on, um, I got myself a mentor at SCORE. Uh, There are uh, branches of SCORE all over the country, but the one in Portland is a particularly strong one. And uh, I have a mentor there who I meet with once a month, and I swear it's like having a business partner who I don't have to share my profits with. (laughs) He's amazing. He's really offered me a lot of guidance. And if there's something, if I've got questions about an area of, I don't know, manufacturing, or uh, I just recently um, made a shift in uh, where I was getting my flour sack towels. I've gone with a new company and they're being... uh, they're being brought in uh, from another country and I wanted to make sure that I was following all the importing rules correctly and that I wasn't, I was paying my paying the fees that I should be paying and that kind of thing. And my mentor didn't know a lot about that so he found me somebody else within the SCORE organization who did know about that and uh, we had a conference call that was hugely helpful to me. So I would say just having people you can turn to with questions. And as you know, Stefa, one of the most wonderful things about this whole mm-hmm. uh, wholesaling handmade goods is that you're, the, that other vendors are so willing to help. They are they've been there. you know, find people, about two years ago, actually, this is another thing that I did that was very, very helpful to me. About two years ago, I was sort of facing this uh, pivotal point in my business where I either had to make a, a big time and in financial investment to grow the business or just kind of keep it where it was. And... I realized that I wasn't the only one who'd ever faced some of these dilemmas and these questions that I was asking. And so I literally got on the phone and called five other artists who I'd come across either on Instagram or at at the wholesale show, and I said, "You've been where I am right now. You, you're bigger than me, and you, I know you've been and where I am, and you face some of these things. Will you? Can I buy you a cup of coffee? Can we get together? And I'm going to pick your brain. And every one of them was more than willing to do that for me, and uh, was hugely, <laughs> hugely helpful to me.
0: So smart, Molly. So smart. I love it. So." Uh, what keeps you motivated when it gets going hard, or you have to make that pivot point, or who or what gets you inspired?
1: Um, well, certainly, first and foremost, my family. I have uh, three grown kids who. Who think it's pretty great that their mom has <laughs> started this little, little <laughs> business in her studio up in the attic. <laughs> uh. And um, I think they're very proud of me and they certainly, I bounce ideas off of them. And so that's, that's been very helpful. My husband, having a husband who is an entrepreneur who has both had successful businesses and failures <laughs> has really mm. helped, helped me. And, um, and he, pushes me and it, it, sometimes that feels good and sometimes it doesn't It forces me to ask the, the hard questions and and then as I s- described earlier this this little uh, inspiration group of four women that I meet with once a month has been really really a huge source of inspiration for me and I have two part-time studio assistants. Uh, one who's in high school and one who just graduated from Maine College of Art, they also inspire me. They just being able to kind of show them what it's like behind the scenes in a little fledgling wholesale business has um, has hopefully been great for them, but also has been very motivating and inspiring. It it certainly motivates me to get organized, you know, uh, whatever. one of them comes every every mm-hmm. Wednesday, and uh, uh, so at about this time on a Tuesday afternoon, <laughs> I'm saying to myself, "Uh oh, what? Well, I got to get work? I got to clean off that desk. She's not going to have anywhere to work tomorrow." <laughs> so that's been good. Too.
0: That's great. All right, Molly. Uh, as we wrap it up, um, what would you share as far as best advice to other artisans?
1: Well, um, certainly what we just talked about. Find Find inspiration and find support. There are lots of people out there who who want to support you in what you're doing. And um, go out and find them. Talk to other people in very similar businesses. Um, you know, call somebody in California who's doing what you do, who won't necessarily see you as competition, but who um, has been where you... You are and and can uh, answer your questions and tell you about their experience. So look for that inspiration and support. And then I think the other thing, in terms of advice, is uh, believe in yourself. You can make it happen. I um, I often think, wow, how did I get here? <laughs> how did I do- I did this? This is pretty great. That at at Uh, Mm -hmm. at this point in my life, I've had this long, wonderful career doing what I loved doing, which was teaching young children. And now I'm on another whole career where I own my own business. I set my own hours. I decide when I'm going to work and when I'm going to go on vacation. And, um, and just believe, believe in yourself. Believe that you can, you can turn what you love doing into something bigger.
0: That's a great way to finish Molly. Thank you so much for taking the time today to uh to to share your road uh with us. And I hope that people <laughs> listen to this twice because there are so many good, <laughs> there are so many good nuggets whether it is setting up your own little inspiration group or how you test. So thank you for uh, for sharing all uh, all that with us. I think there's so much that uh, that uh, people can walk away with. So thank you.
1: Well, you are very welcome. I as I said uh to you before we went online here, this this listening to these podcasts has been hugely helpful to me over the last year. Um I listen to them while I'm printing, sometimes more than once. <laughs> I I repeat them too. And and also Stepha, of course, thank you and your incredible staff as always for the wholesale show that really changed my life very appreciative. Oh, thank you Molly. You guys make it happen. You're uh, that's the that's the part
0: of the story I love. So, all right, thank you. Bye-bye. Visit artisanswhowholesale.com for show notes with resources and links that help you work smarter, earn more, and live better.